good afternoon for those of you watching. I am your host today, Maggie Cavanaugh for Teacher That's Right. And I have my friend, colleague, brother in Christ. The list goes on and on. Will. Will Taylor. Say hi, Will. Hey, everybody. I'm so grateful you had the time to do this today, Will, because I know how busy you are. I know that you wear a lot of different hats and you and you have a lot of different roles. But I just would love for the viewers to get to know some of the tidbits about Will. So, Will, out of all of the things you do, all right, okay. So he is like a a lifeliner. He is, you know, over like overdose specialist, and he's got all these. But he has recently become a dad. Yes, yes. So uh, new hat to wear along with that. So with your busy lifestyle, I know that it's hard to find time to do stuff like this. And I'm honored that you would be here with me today. Oh, yes. I, I appreciate the opportunity. And and just with the times of uh, uncertainty with COVID and having to adapt to things and, and the new lifestyle of being a father, um, you know, I enjoy my family so much, but then I also, my passion is to serve and to get resources in the hands of individuals that need them. So I'm, I'm blessed to be here today. It's incredible. Well, much love out to you and Lydia and your beautiful daughter. So, Will, we were talking a little bit before the broadcast. Some people uh, are aware that it is recovery month and we're super excited about that. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But we just had a very special day that has one day that brings overdose awareness. And I know because you, you're a specialist in this area that you probably have some new stats that have come out, maybe some words of encouragement to the viewers. Talk to us about what is Overdose Awareness Day and where where are we at with this whole thing? Yes. So uh, August 31st is recognized nationally as Overdose Awareness Day uh, to where we pay tribute to the ones that have lost their fight to uh, the disease of addiction, but also to bring awareness and resources and hopefully connect those to the individuals that need them. Uh, also, we had the data that was just released from uh, the Department of Health for the state of Tennessee. And, you know, sometimes doing this work, it gets discouraging because we feel like, man, we're just doing more things. We're feeling good. But then all of a sudden, the reality of everything comes to light. Uh, so the data was just released and we actually had an uptick in overdoses from 2018 to 2019-2019. Um, all drugs included was uh, 2,089 overdoses in the state of Tennessee compared to the 1,818 from 2018. So mm -hmm. we see that uptick. And like I said, it sometimes feels discouraging because we're like, are we not doing enough? Well, one thing I want to talk about that is just to say that I see and I work with a lot of individuals that have maybe come encounter or have experienced an overdose or a loss of a loved one uh, due to overdose. And after conversating with those families, they say, well, I didn't know uh, such and such resource was available or this service was provided. And I feel as a community that a lot of times we don't look for those resources until it's too uh, too late or in that need of crisis. So just uh, the more as society as we can have this conversation and go ahead and, and equip individuals with what is available, I think then we can really start to shift the paradigm. Wow, that is so true. And I firmly believe that. And I think there's something and I know you're passionate about this. I've actually seen you wear a T-shirt that says break the stigma. And I think it's got a lot to do with the stigma. Is that what it is, Will? 
Well, stigma has a lot to do with it. And I say that because stigma exists on many different levels, um, all the way up to the Capitol Hill, to the uh, government issue, all the way down to just the, the everyday uh, individual that's suffering maybe from substance use disorder, of just feeling the guilt and shame that they can't reach out. Family members dealing with the guilt and shame of feeling like maybe that they were a failure. Why well, raise my son better than that? But yet he turned out like that. And I use that as an example because, you know, my mother um, in the medical profession for a little over 40 years as a, a pediatrician nurse, you know, everybody in the small town knew my mom, knew my family because of that. But then yet I kind of veered off and went down the wrong track and I started experiencing substance use at age 11. Uh, of course, one thing progressed to another and another and a lot of different things took place in that time. Uh, for one, my mom was not educated well enough with the disease of substance use and what the signs and symptoms look like. Um, so also what come with that is she actually picked up some of my symptoms. So what I mean by that is I say that addiction is not a spectator sport. Sooner or later, everybody has the opportunity to play. Uh, they just may not be physically using, but yet they can pick up the signs and symptoms, such as my mother. Uh, so what that actually looked like is some denial. Um, you know, she really didn't want to truly admit that, hey, my son does have track marks on him. Yeah, my son, um, you know, is lying. He is stealing and things like that until all of a sudden it just come to a head. And, you know, unfortunately, which is actually a blessing is the judicial system got involved in my life. Um, you know, so I say that, you know, when I entered recovery, my mom also entered recovery, too, uh, because today she speaks about that. You know, she speaks with family members and and loved ones about that, the perspective of a mom dealing with a son, but then also just still carrying the message to the individuals that are still suffering. Uh, sometimes we hear the term of, of tough love and things like that. And I mean, sometimes that's a little too harsh, but uh, we firmly believe as my family in the accountability of one another. Whoa, I love that. The accountability of one another, because it does, it affects the entire family. Uh, yes, I know personally from my own usage years and my own codependency years. And I used to tell people all the time, I was much crazier as a codependent than I was as an addict. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, you know, because you do things uh, that you don't, you feel like it's normal and it's, there is no normal in that situation and denial is very big. So I just want to take a moment. If you are watching this video right now and you have a loved one and you suspect and you go deep down inside that they are dealing with a struggle. Listen, there's no shame here. There's no shame in reaching out and getting help. The only thing uh, that you are guaranteed if you don't deal with this now is the same thing happening over and over again. And so that sounds harsh, but you know, there's a quote that, um, you know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a different result. And that's what people in denial do. And so I'm so glad that you brought that out. And I actually, I had the pleasure of meeting your mother briefly last year at Recovery Fest. So since we're on that topic of mamas and, and denial and codependency and all that, listen, there is a, an event taking place in Rutherford County this weekend. It is at the Boys and Girls Club from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. We want you to come. It's a drive-through event. 
you can get a bag of resources and food, right, Will? We all like food. Yes, yes. Everything better. You can pick it up uh, through the drive-through and you can log on to Rutherford County Recovery Fest Facebook page. Okay, go there. As soon as this broadcast is over, like the page, love it, whatever. Invite all your friends because you will get to see various testimonies from people. Uh, you'll get to hear some some of the sponsors and the uh, medical profession uh, and also uh, in various areas in the community talking about the importance of recovery because recovery does happen. You're looking at Will. You're looking at me. And there is what, 23 million people uh, that are professing living a life of recovery. So those numbers don't lie. That's right. That's right. And the more we can talk about it, we're, we're de dissembling, demolishing that stigma that's out there. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Will, you mentioned that you started at age 11. So let's talk a little bit about the youth right now. I am highly concerned because I, I do work with uh, uh, some youth that are they're struggling uh, I've got some that are on the other side of it. I got some that are just uh, high risk, if you will. Uh, and then I've got some that are knee deep in it. And the same thing that I see all the time, and even with, in addition to drug and alcohol addiction, is addictive type behaviors. So at age 11, did you find yourself, I mean, I, I think, was it alcohol that you started self-medicating with? Right. Yes, ma'am. So I was introduced to uh, alcohol at age 11. Um, but to kind of set the stage real quick, so I am the youngest of four uh, with three older sisters. Um, I say that respectfully because they all have taught me something that I have taken with me on this journey of life. Although my childhood was a little rough, you know, I didn't always get to play with GI Joes and things like that. Sometimes it was Barbie dolls and I learned how to cut hair and things like that. But And you got yeah. great fashion. I have to just make this. If you guys know Will, if you do not know Will, go to his Facebook page, follow him because he's got great fashion tips. <laughs> yes, yes. That's another. Uh, I always try to give credit to my sisters for that as well. But um, yeah, so I'm the youngest of four with three older sisters. Uh, my mom and dad separated when I was early on. Um, being the youngest, too, I really didn't know how to interpret that. Uh, you know, today we hear so much about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and we hear a lot about trauma and things, um, you know, when my personal take on that, just with some formal education and, and my experience in addiction, that trauma is the root of all substance use. Say um, it again, Will. Say that again. I need everybody right. to hear that loud and clear. I believe that as well. Trauma is the root to all substance use or all addictions just in general. Uh, when we look at that, I know from my personal experience, Trauma didn't come as dramatic as, you know, sometimes we tend to think what trauma is. That trauma in my life come out about is just a form of somewhat abandonment. And the reason I say that is because when my parents split up, my dad just kind of disappeared. You know, so now a single mom raising four kids. Um, I saved my normal life because that's the life I know. But my mom was working two jobs, even sometimes three, just making ends meet, making sure that we had everything we needed. Um, so she relied a lot on my older sisters kind of for my well-being and things. Um, you know, I've set in the stage because I don't put blame on anybody. We know that everybody experiences life and, and those adverse experiences differently. But 
through that journey, that abandonment kind of set in me and it kind of left that void internally where I was longing to be part of something. Sure. Um, so at age 11, I'm the youngest. Uh, uh, my older sister was having a, a kind of a high school gathering at the time. And of course, um, the cool thing was to do was, you know, to get together and drink adult beverages. And here I am, that annoying little brother. So uh, the idea come about that we would, you know, give him some alcohol. Uh, I become the life of the party momentarily, and then I kind of passed out. So I remember coming to the next day, and it wasn't necessarily the connection to the alcohol that I remember, but it was a connection of a group of peers that were so much older than me that I felt like I was belonging to something. And it felt good because it was an older group of peers. Um, you know, unfortunately, I took that and I ran with that feeling all through life. So then all of a sudden I'm in high school. Um, you know, the popular thing to do is still kind of get together and uh, and drink alcohol and different things. But the problem was who could get those? Well, see, we'll become popular again because I had that association still with peers that were older than me. Sure. So, of course, everybody my age wanted to come to me for uh, to get the alcohol and adult beverages and other substances. And then I could still do that. So I kind of got the the illusion of that power and prestige. And then, of course, it just manifested on. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a little bit. A addiction. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I can relate to that because it is, you know, I'm a firm believer that those of us that have experienced that is from a lack of wanting to be accepted and loved. And that's what's so um, hard for the kids today is the peer pressure. And now with social media, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of study on social media and I'm getting ready to come out with some resources for parents that are watching because it is challenging because, you know, it wasn't around when you was a kid or I was a kid. So now we're not just getting that at school or on the bus uh, or at the baseball field or wherever you frequent. You're getting it 24 seven pumped into your household. So you, if there was a youth watching right now, Will, and you were, was able to speak to them in some way uh, to encourage them to take the higher road, what would you say to them? Well, or you're eleven kind of year old self. You're eleven year old <laughs> self. If that makes it easier, you know, uh, the first thing I would say was a step away from so much of the technology, the the gaming, the phones, uh, because you're so correct with that aspect for sure. You know, with the social media and 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 the multiple platforms out there, I am an advocate for social media if it's used correctly. But uh, mm -hmm. you're definitely right. There's a lot of bullying and things that take place there. Um, but just if, if I had to reflect back on myself or, or maybe some young adults out there, um, you know, get involved in something that's extra, extracurricular activity, excuse me, I just slaughtered that, but extracurricular activity, uh, whether it's a, you know, a, a club, a, a sports league, something, you know, get out and volunteer first because, what I have found in my journey is to be able to fulfill that connection and that longing with inside me. I do that by getting out of myself and serving and helping others. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just forming that connection with individuals, you know. Um, yes, I was grateful to have a lot of uh, older adults that poured into me and invested time. Um, 
you know, I always say that that's maybe why I didn't veer too far off the track, but those times and those individuals are vital uh, to an individual's life for, you know, to be uh, develop that resiliency, to be able to bounce back because we know that life's going to happen ultimately. And I always say that, you know, it has its ups and downs, but it's how I adapt to those situations instead of letting those situations make me adapt. Mm. Um, that's good, Will. That's really good. Got to preach right there, brother. <laughs> I'm just saying because we we do not have to react to life. We don't. We don't have to do everything that everybody's doing. We have to respond to the call that we have. And and for someone like you, Will, that it has had struggled with addiction, but yet now you have a purpose and a passion, and that fuels that thing. And you don't need the acceptance or you know or have the fear of man because you believe in what you are doing. And so I think for those of you watching, take heed to what Will has said. Get involved in some sort of activity, whether it's sports or whether it's church or whatever it is that you enjoy. But service is so powerful. I love that you mentioned that because it gets our focus off of us and onto someone else. And anytime that we die to ourselves and we start to think about humanity as a whole, uh, we really start to tap into being a um, contributor to life rather than a consumer. Yeah, and when I say that, I mean, there's some people that will just suck the life right out of you. I know, I know. But there are also people that add value. And so be that person of value. Trust and respect yourself enough to make the choices that is going to help you and, the, and your uh, sphere of influence around you. Leaders, people, leaders, become a leader for good. Amen. So that's so good. Well, you know, Will, thank you for sharing that because, you know, there are probably some youth that will see this and they'll probably think, man, you know, there's something that's happened. Whenever I'm in it, like at a detention center or I'm specifically speaking to a group of kids, you know, they look at me with the white hair and everything and they're like, this lady cannot relate. But when they find out that I was an eighth grade dropout, you know, and I went around a whole lot of mountains, you know, obviously I went back to school. I got my education. I have a master's degree now, but, you know, it changes it. And so uh, people like you sharing, I was here and now I'm here. It wasn't necessarily easy, maybe in the beginning, but I got a lot of traction on that road to life. And so that's why what you do is so important. I want to talk a little bit about your role at Lifeline, um, because I know that you cover a large area. Tell the viewers what that role is that you have uh, here in Tennessee. Yes. So Lifeline is a project that's that's funded through the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Service. Um, so we started out with 10 of us that are strategically placed across the state with the number one scope of services to break the stigma that is attached to behavioral health issues in general. Since then, we really started involving um, and we actually become the direct link to help individuals navigate those treatment resources and recovery support as a whole. Um, we have found out that individuals um, that are in just the grips of that addiction, whatever it may be, uh, that hopelessness is always a common denominator that's there and that hopelessness tends to paralyze us. So having somebody that will walk with an individual uh, and help navigate those resources really has been beneficial in being able to connect individuals to the support they need. Um, since then, we really started um, also just kind of bridging the gap between the community and the treatment services as a whole. 
bringing a lot of educational forums, town halls, uh, just because just trying to spread the message of recovery. And like I said, it's, it's recovery from all things. We view that we're all in recovery from something. Um, although some, you know, substances or something like that may get more of the headlines. Everybody's in recovery. So just building that connection and, and showing the importance of community. Uh, our team stands on the belief that the opposite of addiction is not necessarily just sobriety, although sobriety is key, but the opposite of addiction is just that connection, getting connected back. Just like I was longing at 11 years old for that connection, I still long for that when I was 30 and just being introduced into recovery. Um, so just trying to nourish that, that connection and really to create atmospheres to where our youth feel comfortable talking about maybe some of their hurts and habits that they are experiencing in life. I love that. I love that. I love that. There are so many people that don't realize that when we say recovery, we're not just talking about drugs and alcohol. Of course, that is the forefront because we see the statistical numbers in that. And there's but there are a lot of hidden addictions that people don't know about. I'm a huge advocate for addiction to pornography uh, because it can lead into a detrimental life changing thing. People lose their families and so forth. They're gambling or food addiction or shopping, you know, uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. So if you were sitting there thinking, well, I'm not shooting up, you know, and I'm not drinking myself to sleep, but yet you're going out and you're doing some of these destructive lifestyle behaviors, reach out now because there is help available. And there is so much more to the other side of freedom. I had somebody the other day say, and I actually, I think it was in one of your videos uh, that I was watching. And the guy said, if I knew recovery was so great, I would have done this years ago. But, you know, we feel trapped. Uh, people, you know, shame is a huge issue. What if you don't mind me asking, well, what was the breaking point when you were finally like, that's that's it, I'm done. Did you have multiple attempts at uh, walking in wholeness or did you like cold turkey? What, can you share a little bit of that? Uh, yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, I mentioned earlier um, the blessing in my life was judicial intervention at that time. Um, Looking back in my life, I had got into some run-ins with the law enforcement, but at the time I still was financially uh, stable enough that I was able to pay a lawyer and get out of those situations with really out uh, any major consequences. But uh, ultimately what, what brought me down was uh, getting into some legal trouble and I knew that hey, uh, I couldn't get out of it. Uh, I was blessed with the opportunity of uh, basically telling the investigators, you know, I'm I'm a drug addict, you know, um, had never tried that before. So, you know, really with the mindset that I was still in was still being manipulative, but they gave me that opportunity. Uh, so I went into treatment, um, you know, three days into treatment. I was they were ready to discharge me because I thought that I knew more than the counselors did. Uh, <laughs> But it, going back to my ultimate plan that I needed that certificate to show the judge, I knew I needed to complete it. So at that point, I decided I'm going to do two things. Uh, my counselor was asking me to do. I'm going to be honest about everything and I'm going to put forth effort into anything she asked me to do. Now, I'm going to be honest. It was terrible at the time. It was ugly. She probably was thinking, Lord, mercy, please devil let's just rebuke this get out of him you know but i did those two things 
And every day I suited up and showed up. And what I noticed in life is I was getting reactions uh, that were positive in the nature. So what that did is I was always go back to my counselor and I would say, thank you. Well, my counselor, um, I still have that contact with her today. Uh, I love her dearly. She uh, every time I would go back and talk to her, she would say, don't thank me. Thank God. Now, see, I come into treatment as kind of uh, agnostic. I was believed uh, and, and raised into a faith community and, and believed of God. But through my journey of addiction, I had lost that connection. Sure. Um, but what she was doing was she was actually building my faith back. Um, every time I would say, Miss Hannah, thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't thank me. Thank God. Uh, and I'm like, oh, you know, I know it was you, you know, but. Like I said, she was building my faith. So uh, long story short, fast forwarding, I get out of treatment and I get involved um, into a faith community. And this faith community uh, really opened my eyes up to truly what I feel we're, we are as God's people. Uh, and I say that because there was no shame. First off, they let me belong there. You know, and I mean, uh, you'll have to understand, I need to post a picture sometime. When I come into recovery, I hadn't shaved in about two and a half years. I had a beard down, just looked like a woolly mammoth, uh, <laughs> just really was all over the place uh, because I had spent nearly 20 years in addiction. Um, so here I am and, and they welcomed me. They let me belong there. You know, it, I didn't feel like people were kind of talking behind my back like, oh, my goodness, look at this guy. So through that belonging, um, I started to feel comfortable there. So I started just attending more and any opportunities that I could. Uh, you know, uh, I found myself one time I shared this because I found myself uh, they were advertising this event. And I was like, well, I don't want to stay in the transitional house I'm in. So um Sure, I'm going to sign up for it. Well, come to find out it was a women's ministry weekend and, and I was the only male there. But you know what? I felt comfortable there because of my past being raised with a house full of women. And you know what? They welcomed me there. Uh, but just belonging, being able to belong and through that belonging, then I started to become. I started feeling like that, man, this is just welcoming. And through that process, I started listening to the messages that were being poured in me. And then ultimately I become that believer again. So I really advocate on that. We got to belong first and then we become, and then we believe, you mm -hmm. know, and that's how it happened to me. And that's where we have to commute, uh, develop and culture the atmosphere to where individuals feel comfortable first. Um, you know, and that kind of falls back on stigma, but just ultimately as, as God's called us as his people. Yes, that's so good. I love that. The three B's. You need to write B's. a blog on that. The three B's. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, I and and I know from experience of, you know, being a you know, a licensed minister and all of that, it, it is hard for people to have that trust. And we, you know, people struggle with their faith, especially whenever, you know, they've tried something and they had a level of disappointment. So if that's you watching today and you feel disappointed and you feel like you can't connect. You heard you can belong. You know, this is why the Lord, I'm going to add to that B, the Lord calls you his beloved. Okay. Mm. He loves you so much. And it was love that really brought you in, Will. Yes, ma'am. That was just the love, you know. Um, 
I'm very blessed for the, the faith community as a whole, uh, because ultimately when we look at resources that are available, uh, although kind of being funded through my job, through government, we know that government's not the answer. You know, I'll be honest, there's not going to be enough treatment dollars for that. So our faith community just coming together because, you know, it is the longest standing organization known to man and yes. just really doing our purpose of serving one another. Um, so I'm truly grateful for that. But yes, that loving just atmosphere, that loving culture and just the love principle. Yes, I love it. Love it. Love it. You know, perfect love cast out fear. And most people that are operating in active addiction, they are in fear of what is it going to look like if I stop using the substance? Am I going to lose my identity, which they already have? And they've taken on a, a false identity, you know, in a sense, but it is love. So if you are a pastor watching this, take heed to what is being said here. People in your congregation are smiling on the outside and bleeding to death on the inside. Give them permission to be themselves. Give that atmosphere of loving accountability and be that person to say, it's okay to not be okay, but it's really not okay to stay in that position of not being okay. How can we serve you? And so that's what I see you doing. Will, you know, I met you. I actually, I think I met you at a faith-based event. Uh, I don't know, three or four years ago before you came to work for as a lifeliner. Yes. And I was like, this is cool dude with the, the bow tie. And what I noticed about you, Will, was your smile. And those, you know, people are born with great smiles and I'm sure you can attribute your mom and dad for your, your physical characteristics, but there's a difference between a, real smile and a smile. And I was like, that dude's been set free. I know he's over there representing this rehab because I think you were, you were working for Buffalo Valley or somebody back then. And I was right. like, I said, oh yeah. Oh, he's been totally set free. And so if you are struggling and you've tried recovery, you know, it, and it hasn't happened, you got to keep going. You can't give up. You know, you cannot just say, I, I went to a meeting once and those people don't understand me or I went to rehab once and yet, but you weren't real with dealing with your root issue. And, you know, it is so true. Will I've seen over and over again, that trauma is a gateway drug to everything, everything. Mm -hmm. Because whatever it is, you know, the enemy uses that piece of us that was hurt. And it is some, like you said, some of us have little bitty hurts and some of us have great big hurts. I, I refer to them as like rocks in your shoe. You know, you get little pebbles that are annoying and, and all throughout life. You're trying to, to get it together, but something's rubbing on you or you've got boulders going on in your life and you can't move forward. There is help available. Recovery does happen. So if you've attempted it and not been successful, don't stop there. I know people that have been to multiple programs and finally gotten their breakthrough. And really what it comes down to at the end of the day is allowing others in to those places that hurt and that loving accountability to walk it out with you. So if you would like to reach out to Will, I'm sure Will, I've seen Will speak at all kinds of events. So you guys can reach out to Will, have him come to your church or your civic uh, program, whatever it is. He would love to share the message of hope with y'all. And uh, he does a lot of great trainings and things like that. You know, he's got like seven years experience in behavioral health as a clinical counselor. So it's not like, you know, okay, he just learned this stuff yesterday. He's got the education, but he's also got the experiential knowledge and that's where the rubber meets the road. And I think sometimes, Will, I don't know, maybe I might be wrong on this, but I think sometimes when people know that you've been down that road, they, they receive better. Is that oh, true? Most, 
Most definitely. I, I agree 100 percent with that. And and even, you know, I'm grateful for, um, you know, my formal education, because that was something that uh, was in my recovery journey. Uh, you know, when I uh, through active addiction, I didn't want anything to do with school either. So uh, but comparing the two of my lived experience plus the formal education, they're just not comparable at all. Uh, especially working with a, an individual that, you know, I share a little bit, just as you mentioned, you know, when you do your uh, prison ministry and things, we, when we share a little bit about where we come, it's like all of a sudden that kind of just gives the sigh of relief to where oh, we're just alike. You know, naturally society wants to tell us that we're different. You know, uh, I see an individual, I want to judge them by the outward appearance. I don't even know why just trying to, I hate to say it, of forming to the world instead of just living in the world. But then when we really get to know each other and know that we're just alike, you know, oh, the connection is made and nothing can break it. That's right. And if, if you have a pulse and you're still breathing, God's got a plan. Yeah, not giving up on you. Uh, he can take your mess and turn it into a message. And, you know, now here Will is walking in authority of his of his freedom and being able to impact the lives of the others. And that could be you, too. And so it just takes the right step. So you can reach out. We'll give them a number or a website where they can reach out. Uh, I know they can follow the recovery fest and y'all get out there this Saturday. If you were in the Rutherford County area, and even if you're not in the Rutherford County, County area, I encourage you to watch the live streams and watch the videos and share them because someone needs the message of hope. Will, how would they reach out to you or for resources? Yes. So you can contact me, uh, my phone number, and I will be sure to email it too, but it's 931 203 9066 or you can email me at w taylor uh, w t a y l o r at pc the number 4 s.org and um, yeah i'll be glad to connect with you um, i also want to let everybody know that we offer a 24/7 resource hotline the tennessee red line uh, 1-800-877-9787. And it's out there available for you. Uh, you can actually call or text that. I love it. I love it. And we'll make sure that we put those in the chat stream. We want you guys to share this with your friends, family, colleagues. This will be available on multiple platforms because we do believe that recovery happens. So one last key, Will, do you have any last key that you would like to share with the viewers? And it can be a quote. It can be a word of encouragement. Take the floor, brother, whatever you want to say. Oh, 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 oh. Well, one of my favorite lyrics from a, a hip hop artist is he says, words until their action thrives on the empty satisfaction. Um, so don't talk about it. Let's just be about it. You know, that was my ultimately the uh, my biggest stumbling block is I always wanted to say, well, I'll go to treatment the next day. I'm going to get help the next day. Let's just do it and let the results pan out from there. Um, you know, there is hope if you or somebody, you know, struggling, reach out. Don't give up. I believe in the power of prayer. Trust me, uh, I have witnessed it myself, but then ultimately I am a blessing of the prayer. Just knowing uh, the, the prayer warriors that were with me through that journey. And I still welcome those, uh, you know, because when you're fighting the devil front line, he's always there to take you down. Um, so just know that there's hope there. And yeah, 
That's I just good. kind of froze up, but well, yes, we're there. <laughs> wow. That is really good. Those are some deep lyrics and I love that lyric speak to me as well. So those of you watching, make sure that you take heed to that. We will put the uh, information in the chat stream and Will, I just want to thank you, brother. Uh, last comments of y'all get on the Facebook page. I'm going to link it in the chat stream of the video where you guys can go and like the page. Cause if you don't like it, you're not going to get the updates. If you don't get the updates, you're not going to know what's going on. September is nationally recognized as recovery month all over. And, you know, we refuse to say we're going to cancel the event because of COVID. We just had to adjust the event for the times and the seasons that we're living in. But we hope next year to have a on the ground, boots on the ground kind of thing. And make sure that you follow the page for updates and stories to encourage and inspire you guys. Will, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Bye, viewers. Thank you so much, Miss Maggie.